Hallelujah. If you brought a Bible this morning, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Praise the Lord. We've been talking about the fullness of Christ, the abundance of God toward the believer. A couple of Sundays ago, we talked about all things are yours. How many of you believe that? Last week we talked about all things are possible. How many of you believe that? And this week we continue along that same line as the Lord continues drawing us into this full and clean revelation, this pure revelation of his perfect provision for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he purchased for you every single thing you would ever need to do the will of God in your generation. And God has packed full the warehouse of heaven for every need in the life of the believer, whether it's physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, relational. It's all in Christ. And the Bible reads here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart, but though your outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we were looking not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word with gladness of heart. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak this morning about weight gain. You say, Pastor, don't preach about that. I don't need any preaching on that subject. The very interesting truth in the Bible, when you talk about this word glory, which the Apostle Paul uses here, he says there is an exceeding weight of glory. And when you read the Old Testament, you read in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, uh, pardon, chapter 6, verse 1, that Isaiah saw the Lord and the Glory of God filled the house of God in such a way that uh, the power and presence of the holiness of God was vivid in the mind of Isaiah. When we read those words in the original language, we understand that the word glory and the, the word holy, they mean weight. They mean something heavy. We know that that is true as we think about the presence of God and the glory of God. 
that the, word, the, the glory of God is, in fact, a heavy thing. It's a weighty thing. In fact, when you read the Old Testament at the dedication of the temple by Solomon, the Bible says that when the people began to blast the trumpets and they began to praise the Lord, saying, uh, Praise the Lord for His loving kindness endures forever, that the glory of God filled the temple and that the priests in the temple were unable to move because of the glory of God. Because of the weight of the cloud of the presence of God. And you may have experienced in, from time to time the presence of God. And you might have noticed that there is a weight to it. And God is present in a church, in a building in such a way that uh, often the presence of God will leave us speechless. It will leave us in awe of the weight and the presence of the Lord. In our own experience here as a church, we had a move of God which marked this church for its history and marked my life for its history. Uh, some years ago, we were on, on a Sunday night service. The concluding uh, of that service, at the, at the end of the service, I was about to uh, dismiss, I was about to give the blessing, and I felt a great burden for prayer at that moment. So I, I backed away from the pulpit, and I began to pray, and I'm sure the congregation was uh, wondering what I was doing and waiting for me to dismiss because I was literally about to dismiss the service. And I began to pray, and, and one of the prayers that came out of my mouth as I, I was quoting several passages of Scripture was the word of the Lord out of the book of Isaiah that said, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. And as I prayed that prayer, I remember that it, I was standing right here. It was as if the heavens opened over me and a 10,000-pound weight fell on me. And I literally fell to the ground uh, face first. I landed on my face right here next to the pulpit. And uh, I, I, I couldn't get up because of the weight of the presence of God and that move of God. And it led to a, a great number of days that we spent here in the house of God as God poured out His Spirit. And the characteristic of that was the weight of the glory of God. So there is a heaviness and a, a weight to God's presence. And what I am sharing with you this morning about that is because of where I want you to go in your mind and in the Scripture with me. As we think about the weight of the glory of God, we think about the power of the presence of God, we read here that there are some things, uh, some perspectives that can lead to us giving more glory to God. And uh, there are also some perspectives that can lead to us giving more glory to other things in our life. And so this morning... My challenge to you is a question, and the question is simply this. What do you give glory to? What do you give glory to in your life? Because you see, the glory of God is not only a heavy thing, but the glory of God is the aim and goal of our life. The Bible says, whatever you do, do everything unto the glory of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 11, that from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 8. He says, indeed, while following your ways and your judgments, O Lord, we have waited eagerly for you. 
Your name and your fame is the desire of our hearts. It ought to be the desire of every believer to bring glory to God. To give glory to God in our speech. To give glory to God in our way of living. To give glory to God in our work. To give glory to God in our witness. To give glory to God in our relationships. Do you realize that when you pay your bills on time, as a Christian, you're actually bringing glory to God? When you tell the truth, when it would be easier to tell a lie, you are actually bringing glory to God by your lifestyle. When you conduct yourself in a way that is honorable and right, even when it costs you more to do so, you bring glory to God in your actions. When you do a day's work without anyone watching you and without the boss seeing you, you might say, well, nobody noticed, but God noticed. And God is glorified when we do those things for his glory. The Bible says that the glory of God will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. That means that God's going to get glory in the end, and he's going to get it from everybody one way or another. Either we will live for the glory of God today and stand in his presence forever and give him glory there, or we can reject uh, and refuse to give God glory here and then stand before him someday in judgment. And the Bible said that a day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So friend, you're going to bow before him someday. You'll either bow before him today willingly, willingly and be saved. Or you'll bow before him later in eternity and be forever lost. But bow we all will. And so it is a requirement. It is a, a, a precious gift from God. That you and I are called to live our life as an expression for the glory of God. That everything we say, that everything we do would magnify Christ. That when people see us, they would say that person honors God. That person believes in God. And you know, when people see God in us, when people recognize that there is a lifestyle difference in us, they realize that there is a truth in the gospel that we preach, that there is a truth in the Bible that we read, that there is a truth in the message that we proclaim. And this morning, I want to challenge you with that as we talk about weight gain, because I want you to deal with some things in your life that maybe are getting more glory than God in your life. I want God to gain weight in your life. I want God to, wait, to gain weight in your thinking. You need to have God gain weight in your perspective. Because until you do, you will find yourself limited in being able to receive all the fullness of God in your life. You see, everything God does, God does for His glory. God will do nothing for man's glory. God is jealous for his glory. He says that he will not share his glory with anyone. He will not share his glory with this preacher. He will not share his glory with you. That's why I told you before, I'll tell you again. The day that we decide God can't do it without us, God will replace us and have a better person in our spot before we even have a chance to tie our shoes. Because God will not share his glory with anybody. Say amen, somebody. God is jealous for his glory. He's jealous for you and I to give him weight. And the Bible talks about the, the patriarch Abraham. 
Abraham had a promise from God. The promise was simple. You're going to have a son. And from your son will come a blessing for all of the nations. It was a promise concerning the fact that God was going to give a Messiah to the world. That God was going to send Jesus to the world. And that he was going to come through the line and lineage of Abraham. Well, when Abraham received that promise, he was 75 years old and he believed God. He believed God that he would have a child at that age. But things started taking longer than he expected. And before long, he was nearly 100 years old. And he still did not have the son promised to him by God. Has God ever seemed to take a long time in answering your prayers? Oh, just a few of you, that's good. The rest of us have had to deal with it. But, um, you know, Abraham had to deal with having to wait a long time. And the reason that he had to wait a long time was for the very thing I'm talking about this morning. You see, if Abraham had had the child when he thought he could have it, then he would have taken the glory. He would have said, I did this. I still got it. I have the power. But because he became so old, the Bible said he looked at his body and it was as good as dead. And he saw the deadness of Sarah's womb. He saw the impossibility of the promise of God ever being fulfilled in his life. And this, this reality did not discourage him. It did not cause him to lose faith. It did not cause him to reject God. It did not cause him to become discouraged. But rather when he looked at the deadness of his own body, the Bible said that concerning the promises of God, he grew stronger and stronger every day in faith. He grew stronger in his faith. How? By giving glory to God. I want you to think about that phrase because it's very important. Abraham looked at, the, at, the, at his body and he saw that it was impossible to have a child. He looked at Sarah and he, know, he saw that it was impossible at 90 years old for her to have a child. But he grew stronger in faith by giving glory to God. What does that mean? I think it basically means this. Every day that Abraham was waiting for the promise, he gave more weight to God than he gave to the circumstances he was in. And that's my challenge for you this morning. That you and I would learn to give more weight to God than we give to the circumstances that come into our life. You realize how we do this is so simple. And oh, we don't even notice it at times. But a problem comes into our life and immediately we start focusing on the devil that did it. Or we start focusing on the people to blame. Or we start focusing on the impossibility of the situation. And we give less weight to God than we give to the problem. Listen, friends, some of the problems that you have in your life, I know they're very heavy. They are impossible to bear on your own. But up against the weight of the glory of God, those problems and those needs are nothing by comparison to the weight of the glory of God. So imagine a scale this morning. On one end of the scale, you have that need. You have that problem or maybe that dream. That goal that you have to go to college, to get a degree, or to build a new house, or to start a company, or to create a business. And that, that dream that, that, or, or that need is on that one end of the scale, and it seems heavy. It seems impossible to lift. But then you have to remember there's another side of the scale. 
And on that side of the scale, you have the promises of God. You have the word of God. You have the, 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 the presence of God. And if you will give more weight to the promise of God than you give to the problem, you will find that that problem gets lifted by the very weight of God's glory in your life. That that problem is lifted by your simple faith and trust in God. So I want to challenge you this morning to give more weight to God than you give to the devil. You know how many things get blamed on the devil? And the devil gets blamed for a lot of things, and he deserves it. And I don't really uh, want to stand here and defend the devil. But I want to tell you this. Don't give the devil more credit than he's due. I said, don't give the devil more credit than he's due. Your God is bigger than the devil. I said, your God is bigger than the devil. The devil doesn't know everything. Listen, the devil's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. There's only one person who's omniscient, and that's God. There's only one person who knows everything, and that's God. The devil's not omnipresent. That means he's not everywhere at once. The devil can't be here and in Canada and in Iraq at the same time. He can only be in one place at a time. But God is everywhere all at the same time. Our God is here, and he's in Canada, and he's in Italy, and he's, in, and he's on the moon, and he's in Mars. Come on, somebody. And he's in heaven, and he's, he's everywhere. Somebody ought to give God praise because your God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. David said, if I, make my, if I, if I mount up on the moon, God is there. And if I go to the, into the earth, if I die, if I'm in the grave, behold, the Lord is there. You can't hide from God. The devil is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. And he's not omnipotent. That means he doesn't have all power. He doesn't have unlimited power. The devil has power, to be sure. And his power is real. It's no game. But his power is not greater than the power of God. Your God has all power. What kind of power does our God have? This is the kind of power that he has. He created the world by his word. He didn't even have to move one inch or one finger to create the world. He created the world by his word. That is the power of our God. And so you and I, need to, we need to give more weight to God than we give to the devil. We also need to give more weight to God than we give to the problems in our life. You realize how easy it is to make a small problem a big problem? And to make a big problem an impossibility. You know, if we have the wrong perspective, we can, give, we can give problems that are easy to resolve a whole lot more credit than they're worth or than they're due. And one problem can ruin your day. One problem can take, take your joy, the joy out of your life. One problem can ruin your week. You've got to decide no problem, no circumstance that comes into my life is going to rob me of the joy that God has given to me or of the peace of God in my life because God is bigger than my problems. God is bigger than the flat tire. God is bigger than a burned out transmission. God is bigger than a dryer that won't dry. God is bigger than a disease that's been diagnosed. God is bigger than a case that you can't win. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who is bigger than your problem. God is not, God does not panic when you come to him with problems. He doesn't panic when you say, Lord, this is what I need. 
and I need it quick. I need it this week. God doesn't wring his hands and say, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to sell something. I'm going to have to sell some stocks and some bonds. I'm going to have to liquidate some assets to help my, my children down at Kingsway Church. No, friend, what have I told you? All things are yours. Our God is a God of abundance, and he is greater than every problem that you face. God is greater than your dreams. He's greater than the vision that you have. Do you have a vision this morning? Listen, if you don't have a vision, you're not going anywhere. You need to know where you're headed. You need to have a, a, a dream in your heart, your mind, of what is God going to do in my life? What is God going to do in my life in the next 5 or 10 or 20 years or, or unto my retirement? And when you have a vision, many times, as I have experienced, vision is heavy. It's, it's scary. It's burdensome. But God is greater than the vision. And God is the giver of the vision. Listen, friend, if God has given you a dream, then God will give you the power to bring it to fulfillment. If God has given you vision, then he'll give you the power to sustain it. If God has called you to start a business, he'll give you the power to succeed. If God has called you into ministry, he'll give you the power to minister with anointing. If he has called you into any line of work, he'll give you the power to do it. And so when you say, you know what, I have to give a speech at work tomorrow, and I've never given a speech before. Or you can trust in the fact that God is going to give you the authority and the power to do that thing, even that you've never done before, because all things belong to you in Christ. So what is it sometimes that robs us of giving weight to God and giving weight to things? Well, the Apostle Paul here lays out a number of things in this passage. First of all, he says there's a difference between our outer man and our inner man. Sometimes, I would say most times, probably 90% of the time, the way that people handle problems or needs or dreams in their life is through the outer man. The outer man is this flesh, this human body. This outer man gets a whole lot of attention. It gets all of the attention. Uh, this world that we live in lives for the outer man or the expression and the beauty and the preparation of the external and all of those things are good I'm glad all of you combed your hair this morning and and you did all those wonderful things for your outer man we got to do that say amen somebody because the outer man needs attention but he doesn't need all of the attention say amen somebody because there's another there's another man that's the inner man the inner man is the spirit and many times the spirit gets very little attention and the outer man gets a lot of attention and when we live for the outer man and not the inner man, we give more glory to the outer man than we do to the, to the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. We give more weight to the, to the things that are happening for our body. And we don't think about the spiritual realities of our life. Can I just tell you that if you will focus your attention on growing your inner man by the Word of God, by prayer, by worship, by fellowship, if you will focus on growing your spirit man, your outer man will prosper. Your outer man will be blessed. Your outer man will have more joy, more happiness, more strength, more, more get up and go. The outer man is depending upon the life of the inner man. Paul says the outer man is decaying. He's getting weaker. We're getting older. We're getting more frail. Each day that passes, each year that passes, the outer man is decaying, but the inner man, 
The man that's been born again by the Spirit of God, he's getting younger. He's getting fuller. He's getting stronger. He's, he's growing day by day in faith and in the glory of God. And you know, when you give your perspective to this outer man, this outer shell, and you neglect your spirit, you do yourself a great deal of harm. You do yourself a great deal of harm as well as your family. Because you know there's never been a need like there is today for spirit-led families, for spirit-led moms and dads, for spirit-led churches. We cannot have churches led by the outer man. We can't have families led by the outer man. We can't have fathers who father by the outer man. We need fathers and families and churches to rise up being led by the Spirit of God, being led by this voice of the Spirit on the inside, telling us, go to the right, go to the left, don't go there, go over here. And when you and I are led by the Spirit, there's life there, there's power there, there's glory there. When you're led by the outer man, you're led by the instinct, by the appetite, by the emotions. Those three things will bring wreckage into your life. How many of you have ever made an emotional decision? Did it work out for you? It never does. It never will. Because the outer man is decaying. See, the outer man can only see this far. But the inner man can see things that are way beyond, things that transcend. Now, I'm not talking about seeing ghosts and dead people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeing by faith. I'm talking about understanding by faith. You see, the outer man can see a child in need, a, a, a son or daughter rebelling. But the inner man knows how to talk to God about it. The inner man knows how to make a difference in the spirit. And that's where the power happens. You see, your life as a believer, it began to change. Not the day you walked into church, but the day your spirit was born again by the power of God. That's when your life began to change. And then your outer man began to experience the, the difference and began to experience the change on the outside. But it began first on the inside. Then Paul talks to us about another difference. He says there's a difference between the outer man and the inner man. But there's also a difference between the seen and the unseen. And when you and I live by the seen, when we live by what the natural man and the natural eye can see, we give more weight to the problem than we do to the God who can solve the problem. In the, in the book of Kings, the Bible says that the, a king sent an army to arrest the prophet Elisha. Now just think about that. How powerful was this man who uh, an army had to go arrest him? And uh, this army surrounded the city where the prophet was staying. And when, the, when his servant went out and he saw all of these chariots uh, that had surrounded the city, he panicked. He thought, oh boy, this is a big deal. This is a problem. We're going down. And he ran in the house and he told Elisha, we're in trouble. We're surrounded. And Elisha went out and he saw that army. And he, he prayed for his servant. And he said, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of this servant that he might see. And when the man's eyes were open to see what was in the spiritual realm, he saw in the natural realm an army that was coming to arrest Elisha. But when he saw in the spirit realm, he saw an army of angels that were greater than the number of the army that was in the natural. And he said, what do you see? He said, I see more with us 
than there are against us. Can I tell you this morning, if you will live by what cannot be seen, if you will live by faith and not by sight, you too will say, there is more with me than there is against me. I have more going for me than I have going against me. There is a God who is able. Come on, somebody. And if God be for me, then who can be against me? This morning, I want to challenge you to, to see with the Spirit, to give to give God an opportunity to give you spiritual vision. Because you see, when you look at your problem in the natural, you see natural solutions. But when you look at your problem in the spiritual, you'll find spiritual solutions. In another place, Jesus was preaching, and he had preached all day long. This was a long sermon. And he preached all day long until the Bible says that people were hungry. And uh, when, when they were hungry, Jesus said to the disciples, Feed them. Now the disciples looked at the problem in the natural. They said, Lord, we only have a few, a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. We do not have the resources to feed them. And even if we had a lot of money in the treasury, now we wouldn't be able to feed this many people. And Jesus said, bring me what you have. Now you see, Jesus is going to operate on a different level. They're operating in the natural. They're operating in what they can see with their eyes. But Jesus is operating in the spiritual. He's operating in the power and the glory of God. And so as he, as he begins to pray, he blesses that fish and those bread. And the Bible said that they began to pass it out and it fed a, a multitude of 5,000 people. Why? Because Jesus decided to see with the eyes of the Spirit, to see what God could do. To see what God would do and not to be limited by the resources that were available to him in the natural. And then there's this final comparison that Paul makes. He says there's a comparison between the temporal and the eternal. There are temporal things and there are eternal things. What's the difference? Temporal things are things that are happening in the here and the now. But there are eternal things. And the eternal things, listen church. The eternal things matter more by far than the temporal things. Listen, that couch you have in your house, it's going gonna, it's gonna to become dust and pass away. That new car you drive, it's going to become rust and pass away. But that spirit, that soul that lives inside of your body, that's going to live forever. So why do we get angry when someone dents our car, but we don't rush to the house of God to feed our spirit. You see, you're giving more weight to the temporal than you do the eternal. And when you start to realize, you know what, the things that I got for Christmas, the things I got for my birthday, the things I got when I was a kid, those, those, uh, those possessions I own, none of that is worth more than the spirit of, uh, of man or the soul of man. None of that is worth more than your eternal life, than your eternal soul. None of that is worth more than growing your spirit. And yet by focusing on the temporal, you give more weight to things that are going to pass away than to things that are going to live forever. So how we handle our money, how we handle our time, how we handle our talents. Do we give more of our time and our money and our talents to temporal matters, to things that are, that are uh, established by 
uh, that they're going to pass away? Or do we give more of our time to things that are eternal, to things that are going to last? You know, I'll, tell, I'll hear people tell me, Pastor, don't, don't preach so much. Don't do so much. And, and I, I listen to them, and I think I know what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, don't wear yourself out. Don't work too hard. Listen, friends, I have a perspective. I have a vision of an eternity that is forever. I can't stop doing what matters for eternity so that I can worry about what matters in this temporal world. You and I have a mission from God, and that mission is to bring glory to God, to bring glory to Him in every aspect of our life. Because you only have one life, and it will soon be passed. Only what you do for Jesus will last, friend. Only what you do for Christ will last. That job will not last. That car will not last. That money will not last. Those investments will not last. Only what is done for Christ and for his glory will last. And when you and I live in light of the eternal, when we live in light of the eternal, and somebody, somebody burns the toast, we don't lose it over that. Because we know there's more important things in life than burnt toast and scratched cars and flat tires. There's more to life than a few setbacks and a few disappointments. There's more to life. There's an eternal life ahead of us. And that life has so much more weight and value than anything that you and I could possess in this life. God wants you to have things. He wants you to have possessions. He wants you to have blessings, but he doesn't want those blessings to have you. He doesn't want those possessions to have you. He doesn't want those, that wealth to have you. He wants you to use those things to magnify and bring glory to him. So this morning, I want to challenge you. Give more weight to God. Is the, tail, is the scale tipped in the direction of your problem this morning? Is it, skipped, is it tipped in the direction of your need this morning? Is it tipped in the direction of your vision this morning? Give more weight to God. Because when you do that, you will find that he provides the faith to do like Abraham and grow stronger and stronger every day. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite every, every person in here to come to this altar. And we're just going to continue this worship service right here in this altar by giving glory to God. Come on, every, every person in here. Who knows that God's done some good things in your life? Who knows that God's been faithful in your life? Would you just come to this altar? And we're going to give glory to God for what He's already done. And as you do that, you're going to discover that faith starts to rise up for what He's about to do. Come on, just start giving more weight to God this morning. Make much of Christ this morning. Concerning the promises of God. Abraham grew stronger and stronger in faith. Giving glory to God. Almighty God, we give you glory this morning. Not just with our words, but with our trust. By believing in you, by believing you, we give you glory.
we acknowledge that it's been your hand that has brought us this far. It's been your hand that made us stand when we would have fallen. That made us get up when we would have stayed down. This morning, we want to give you glory. We want to give you thanks. We want to give you praise. We want to give you honor in the church. Honor in the body of Christ. Because if it had not been for you, we would have been destroyed along the way. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes.